0: Very, very good, that music. Welcome, it gets a tingling to another episode of the Icon Performance Health podcast with Rawdon and mm-hmm. Tom. Mm-hmm. Now, Rawdon, there's a little bit of space has been freed up. You've logged out of one of your platforms, I have, so you've created a bit of space for one of our listeners to win yes. that to win a date with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be pretty impressive. They'll have the, the
0: time of their life, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But in order to do so, you have to go to our iTunes page. And write some sort of uh, review, uh, uh, positive ones only. Yeah, you, you, don't, we,
1: don't you dare say anything negative about the program.
0: Yeah, but we'd appreciate it if uh, the listener out there could jump onto iTunes page and write. And, a review and, and even review if you are uh,
1: you know don't don't want the the hot date, that that's you know that's fine. You still, still need a review. Still leave a we review. need those
0: reviews. We want to be number one on the health and fitness podcast. Well, there's no reason why not. May as well go World for is it. the oyster, Tom. Yes. Mm. Yeah, we've got a big show coming up today, mate. Now, Roden, you've been into a, a reasonably decent block of training, so clearly there'd be some aches and pains. Mate. And I know. you're sitting here crippled. Yeah. Hmm. You go and see uh, uh, Cairo on a regular basis, Osteo. don't you? Osteo. James Phillips. James you're, Phillips. Oh, you're uh, yeah.
1: the dude with the, uh, the rat's tail. The
0: rat's tail. Yes, yeah. so I've seen him a couple of times. He's good. Very good. Yep. Yeah. So you see him. I mean, I'm always riddled with various yeah. injury-based... Yours, going yours, on. Yours with
1: the curcumin I've later been kept at bay. It's been good, but
0: there are mm. some things that run a little deeper than the curcumin can heal at the moment, I think. Well, I dare
1: say most of our listeners are pretty uh, you know, messed up in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Where and are you going with this one, Tom?
0: Well, there's ART and there's osteo, well. chiro, physio, all those kind mm-hmm. of things we can do. But today we're actually going to talk to Annette Vapilo, and she's the founder ah, yes. of Posture Pro. Posture Pro would be the pioneers in the, the practice of posturology, which right. is... Somewhat of a, a revolutionary way of looking at optimizing performance or correcting a raft of postural issues, yeah. and essentially broaden all of the the joints in the body fall between the feet and the eyes. Yep, yep. So if Makes the, foot, sense. the foot is out of alignment and the eyes are out of alignment, it actually. Messes with the the way you perceive the world and how your central nervous system controls the oh, rest of your body. Through the nervous system. Yeah, and so wow. um, she's got quite a, a revolutionary way at looking at correcting know, postural issues. I
1: know. one of our uh, mentors, uh, the, the CP. Yes, Charles. He, he, he loves it.
0: Loves it. Yeah. yeah. There are some. Um, and look, I have done a little. I did a day course. Uh, yeah, that's with, what with, you with did. her, and it was it was fascinating. And she's lovely.
1: And she was quite quite nice too
0: yeah yeah and mm. so she's going to come on today and she's going to talk about posturology but also the impact of bad posture because there's a, a downflow of effects yeah a, a hormonal cascade if yeah, all yeah, sorts right, of things right, digestion right. and uh, hormone levels and blah 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 yep, yep, yep. Uh, so and i think uh pain management too that's a, that's a
1: you probably have mentioned that but that that's yeah.
0: another reason for the to look at the, the, the posturology mm. so we'll get uh, annette vapilo from uh, posture pro Exciting. coming on to have a chat with her now, our uh, Fundamentals of Nutrition series with Dan Garner has been wrapped up. And Very well received, I might add. He'll join us again in, in the next few weeks. With uh, the
1: uh, Recovery series, I think.
0: Uh, the Recovery series, that's correct. But we're going to touch base with groundskeeper Willie. Ah, uh, Luke. Yes, Luke Tullock from Lucid Health Coaching. He will be on today. Yep. And uh, he's going to talk to us about the placebo effect. Ah, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Which I'm fascinated about. looking forward mm, to seeing mm, what he's got mm. to, uh, to say about that one. Roden, you and I are going to have a bit of a chat about, I guess, the pitfalls of manipulating calories either way, up or down. It's never a straightforward process. Yeah. Um, and then we've got some specific numbers on percentages of calories to move up or down if fat yeah. loss is the goal or if hypertrophy is the goal. And yeah.
1: I think you're going to have uh, rattle off a few numbers that you like to work with. I'll give yeah. the listeners my numbers.
0: So. so we'll have a bit of a chat about that. Now, for anyone who wants to get in contact with us, uh, they can, the the email address, I get this every time on the show but it's a uh, podcast at iconph.com.au very good you will probably just write it down
1: hmm. yeah. on your hand perhaps yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> What we didn't mention, Rawdon, was that... Uh, wow, and this we, is big news. Is I big don't know why news. we didn't mention this. We've alluded to this in past weeks when we had Paul Carter parts one and two on the yep. show. But Paul Carter and Christian Tobito...
1: Tippy-toes, as we like to call him.
0: They're going to join forces and come out to Australia in July and give a seminar tour. They're going to be yeah. in Sydney and Melbourne. And uh, I'm really excited about what they're actually talking about here. I'll rattle off a few of the things yeah. that, they're to, that they're going to go through. It's going to be largely a theory-based. Mm. Uh, a little bit of practical. So yep.
1: we'll get under the bar and, um, you know, um, give a bit of a tweak. But, yeah, it won't be... Uh, like it's not like hi- what, a training camp? No, nah, it's not like a hypertrophy
0: camp. No. Yeah, it's going to be a two-day, largely seminar-based uh, with some Q&As with Carter and Tippy Toes yep. uh, Paul Carter, some of the stuff that he's going to be covering is nutrition design nutrition yep. program design, how to set up macros
1: and I'll tell you what, if anyone has seen uh, Carter of late, he'd be certainly a guy that's uh, worth listening to well and truly uh, walking the walk, looking amazing there mate. So, very much
0: so. So he's going to go through setting up macros and diet cycling in terms of whether you okay. want to achieve if hypertrophy or fat loss is the goal. He's going to go through the, the methods to do that. He's going to go into specifically workout nutrition and how to okay. set up the most anabolic environment possible okay. uh, when you're doing either or. Yep. On the training side of things he'll then have a look at movement initiation and this is something that he's uh, very good at. Yeah
1: I think he's yeah like uh, quite a few tip their hat to him and say look yeah strength development uh, training side of things is very good
0: he's very very good so in terms of initiating big movements in the appropriate way to recruit the desired muscles that you're trying to actually work with yeah mind um, muscle connection thing yeah he'll also go into activation techniques to wake up those sleepy and dormant muscles yep and some stuff on hypertrophy and he covered this briefly in our chat with him and, and I guess the importance of volume and frequency yeah that's that's and, the key man that, yeah.
1: that, it really is if you master for, and it varies from individual to individual but if you master a, a maximal recovery uh, uh, volume mm. as much volume as you can recover with as much frequency as you can handle then um, that's the key to uh, hypertrophy the golden
0: chalice yes um, chalice word of the day tippy toes now I'm looking forward to this mate this looks mate. exciting He's going to be
1: uh, before you on. I think it's first time, first time in Australia. First time he's been in Australia. Yes, yes. And there
0: will be uh, listeners that we have that have followed him for uh, many years on on T Nation. He's been prolific on that platform, Mm. and I'm looking forward to seeing him as well. Mm. He's going to be talking about using performance methods to build mass. Yeah,
1: that's been his big thing. You know, a lot of uh, explosive concentrics, and uh, always likes the performance element with all his uh, hypertrophy
0: from from memory. And look, he does make reference to the golden age of weight training, Mm. you know, in the 70s and 80s, where there were bodybuilders that were also Olympic lifters and powerlifters and powerlifters and and Olympic lifters who would cross over and do both disciplines. Mm. And Mm. it was all about being big and strong and functional, the whole lot of it. And so he's, I guess, put together his own content on how to use that performance Style training, but mm. build a rock-hard, athletic-looking, big physique. Pretty much what all our listeners are trying to do. Exactly. Very good. And then in in session two, he's going to be going through, I guess, the other side of things about how to use hypertrophy methods to actually improve performance. Wow. In terms of best of both worlds. Uh, yeah. a, a bigger muscle, bigger cross-sectional area,
1: more force can generated. Can generate more force. Yeah. Yeah. Good. yeah. Very good. Very good.
0: So that'll be really exciting. If you're interested in doing that, shoot us an email through yeah. the uh, icon. At uh, no podcast at iconph.com.au Okay, and uh, register your interest for that one. That'll be in July.
1: Yeah, yeah, around late uh, July, late July. The boys are uh, thinking about coming out. Still in the, the the development stages, going to and fro with the boys. Um, Emily, out of Icon, is uh, going to be the brains behind it from our end. But mm. what we're also looking to do for for the listener is um, have some really cool. Uh, you know uh, content course, content, course yeah. content books that we're going to hand out with the with the Australian tour and um, make notes in there so really uh, you know set the bar very high for uh, for seminars so, so our yeah. uh, well, that's attendees right. I mean, really good bang for the buck and yeah. it's going to be pretty reasonably priced too from um, what numbers we've been throwing around yeah.
0: so excited because that's the thing mate I mean there'll be plenty of listeners who've done a lot of courses you and I've done a lot and there's yeah. good ones and there's great ones where you mm. can actually take away stuff and start applying it straight away and that's yeah. what we really want to happen. Yeah, definitely. Exciting. Okay. Mate, we've spent a lot of time on this program talking about fat loss and manipulating calories to get people lean and all that kind of stuff and the various ins and outs of that process what we probably haven't discussed as frequently is you know when you're moving calories the other way trying to create a surplus and and put muscle on people and i guess had a bit of experience with this lately and this sort of uh, initiated this conversation about the various things that happen when you're actually getting someone in a surplus of calories and deliberately trying to put on muscle mass and it's really interesting seeing how different bodies will respond in different ways yeah you need to have, a obviously, a surplus of calories to agree yes. to, to yep, put yep, on yep. muscle. Positive co- energy balance. Yes, but it comes to a point where it seems to be diminishing returns. And you're thinking yeah. like, well, if they ate more, would they build more muscle or would they just put on more fat? And yeah. building muscle isn't linear in the same way that fat loss isn't linear. And you can start someone on a, a surplus of calories and over the first two to six weeks they have that nice bit of growth and then quite often there's that plateau and pushing more calories into the individual is not necessarily going to result in more lean mass. It can just produce more scale weight, but the net effect in lean muscle gain isn't as, as successful as you'd like. Yeah, it's sort of like
1: a, like a bell curve. When you increase calories over a certain you know, 5, 10, 15, 20... Initially, the the muscle gain will be, you know, nice and linear, but then it will sort of bell curve out, and yeah. it starts coming back down, and then you're you actually uh, the, the diminished returns. There's no point going beyond a certain <laughs> a certain, uh, amount. certain numbers. Mm. But the the magic is, you know, what is that uh, what is that number for the individual? You yeah, know? and uh, you know, the the reality is also, um, you know, for our listeners, uh, individuals that are. Uh, taking a uh, PED supplementation that uh, dramatically changes things. And, yes. and I think that's why there's quite a bit of confusion out there because we look at these pro bodybuilders or pro athletes that are um, invariably uh, using some sort of performance-enhancing supplementation and yeah. and we emulate what they actually, well, they have this many grams of protein per kilo body weight and they eat this many calories and base the whole things and it, it sort of confuses everything, you know. It because does, there, it does. Uh, a, they're even if they weren't on PED supplementation, they're genetically gifted to be a pro bodybuilder anyway, and they're probably not like anything weird uh, is going to work a, with any of us. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> so um, for our listeners that, uh, the, you know, all our listeners pretty much that are not in that world, let's have a bit of a chat about because uh, I have got some numbers here that I'll okay. I'll rattle off. But yeah, uh, why don't we we'll talk see. about what you do first, and I'll and I'll chime in and um, I'll say what I like to do. And, yeah, and uh, mine sort of uh, adjusted and uh adjust it again over time so i'm uh, forever tweaking it from yes. individual to individual
0: yes i think that's the key point to make is that it is always an individual process but things that i factor in whenever going to a surplus is the person's history in terms of their body fat levels okay yep, so yep. if you're working with someone who's uh you know it could be a james Cart or it could be a, a paul stevenson these guys yep. that have been genetically lean their whole lives Athletic, and, and, yep. and their body fat's never been never been out of check at all they've always been lean then hmm the margin for error with a surplus of calories is much greater when you're pushing those guys to try and build muscle mass we're trying to create a positive energy balance Mm. so you can give them more calories and the spillover into body fat will be less mm. whereas you have someone who's had higher body fat earlier in their life maybe he's a teenager very right, so very 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 tiny, very, very feminine, tiny. So. you know you you spent some time getting an individual lean who has mm. had higher body fat and you're like okay right we're ready to pull the trigger and mm. try and build some muscle on that frame inevitably there's going to be that wherever their stubborn body fat parts are say so it's yeah, the, the lower abdominals for the male <laughs> that, as boom. soon as the calories come back up whoosh, there's going to be yeah. some body fat that comes on there yeah. so you have to be mentally prepared mm. To wear a little bit of body fat in yeah. that circumstance, it's, it's almost impossible to avoid.
1: It, it, it is, and um, and I think because uh,
0: those body fat cells are there, they're there. Mm. You know, they'll always have an enhanced capacity to put on more fat because yes. of the fact that they've had greater fat levels yes. in the past. Uh,
1: but I also think that, uh, and you'd agree with this, you, you'd probably say they those individuals are not really as lean as the Stevensons and the James Carnes. They're they're lean. They might be around that. That you know, that mythical ten percent that Charles talks about. That uh, yes. when you're under you know ten or, or, or sub ten, that's the sweet spot. You can enjoy your carbs again, and uh, you know all that sort of type of stuff. And I and I, I guess you know those individuals. And we you know I, I'm coaching one at the moment. You mentioned him, and I'm like, you said, oh okay, he'll be at that sweet spot where he's lean enough. and both deem that he's at that around ten percent body fat. Then I'll be putting calories up. Positive energy balance, so we can actually uh, grow some additional muscle for him. But you, you, you sort of said it'll be interesting to see what actually happens because this, this individual does have the potential. He's been uh, a bigger guy before. Yeah. And uh, well, we'll mention him. I mean, he likes to be, uh, he's in tip top shape at the moment. So, Matt, if you're listening, we are talking about you. But he you know he's self-confessed he put uh some before and after picks uh and he's sort of i th- i would say he's halfway through the the transformation with myself and we're yeah. going to get him up on stage at the end of the year something that at the age of I think he's 43 now so he uh he's got a, a very driven and very uh motivated And you you know you've seen him uh feverishly training in the gym and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know he's in a he's a, on, a mission, a, on a mission at the moment at the moment so it's great from a from that side of things He's he the i dotted t crossed but yeah, it would be interesting to see. And uh, for him, you know, I will uh, tread uh, cautiously and, and bring up calories, uh, you know, 10% of the time. And I mean, I w- I'll tell you where I, while I'm on a roll, I'll tell you what I generally take my uh, uh, individual's calories uh, to. And, uh, and I, I used to go beyond this, I used to go way beyond, um, I usually take them to about 30% over th- that theoretical uh, BMR, so we calculate age, I use the Harris-Benedict, but whatever means you want to calculate the, the, the basal metabolic rate, Yes. factor in uh, effect affected food, needs, all that type of stuff, but whatever figures you use, percentages you use to get that baseline figure, that is what I then increase and um, obviously training day would be more than non-training day but i bring up uh, sometimes we'll uh, if the individual is not uh, particularly lean i'll just bring up training day calories and keep non-training day down at baseline i think you do something similar very true Uh, but if they're lean across the board i just ramp up everything now non-training training days Uh, Because non-training days are generally when they're recovering from a training day, so it makes sense to have certainly enough calories or a surplus there for that growth and repair. But about 30% is that sweet spot. I find that um, beyond that 30% above uh, baseline caloric intake, the nutrient partitioning that you mentioned starts uh, changing from uh, fueling uh, hypertrophy to fueling some or less hypertrophy and now adipose tissue and you, mm-hmm. you and the the body fat does start creeping up once you go beyond that that 30 yeah. percent uh, it varies you know the james Carnes could probably get away with more so for example for our listener you know it's one thing to be talking about percentages of things like that. we'll give them uh, an example so say two thousand calories so on a non-training day or a training day we'll say it's non-training thousand calories so 10 percent would be 2200 24 20 percent and then that about that 2600 uh calories for the non-training days that's 30 percent over so that's uh so that was about 600 calories over what their maintenance is and and that's where generally i'll take things to and and from there i generally then taper them back down to baseline and and start the process again Mm. but um yeah for me yeah that that uh that 20 to 30 percent for some individuals if if it, it is borderline and their body fat's not too low it might only be that uh that 20%, so I'll fluctuate between uh, zero and uh, 20%. Yeah. Uh, the guys that are super lean, once I go beyond, and and uh, a couple that I go up to 40%. And uh, when I bring them back down uh, periodically, it'll be down to still 10% over. So I always keep them in that uh, slight surplus above their baseline, just because they're leaner. As, as, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's lots of physiological reasons why, you know, when they're leaner, obviously insulin sensitivity is a big one. They can handle a lot more. Carbohydrate, so that's a macronutrient that you could drive in around training and increase training drive. But um but yeah, for me that
0: that that 30%. What about yourself? Similar sort of numbers, mate. Depending on what style of training they'll be doing, because yeah, I sure. have found that some individuals with uh, that upper threshold, you know, up around the 20 to 30% yep. surplus with high volume training get no greater net effect in muscle gain than having that same person at 10% and doing more functional hypertrophy rep ranges you know they don't necessarily fill the shirts out and get heavy on the scales as fast as they would in that bigger surplus but for the associated body fat gain that comes with it they're actually better off to sit a little more around the 10 to 15 percent over there that mythical baseline yeah. and stick around the functional hypertrophy sort of rep ranges they can actually recover from mm. and mm. that the muscle the lean muscle game maybe it's a little slower but the net effect at the end of that phase of training is less associated yeah. with body fat
1: sure sure I mean I guess for me that would be the caveat you know that if uh, body fat was in check then the calories would, would stay you know yeah. I would keep cooking them up but anytime the calipers tell me that uh, certainly on the supra and umbilical uh, generally that's the first place that you're at, at fat around the midsection yep. for most people. You know, if I see those creeping up, then, then it would be time, obviously. And and you'd, and you'd reconsider whether you'd take them up to that 20%, 30%. Yeah.
0: But. And also, you can, I guess we've spoken about in extended fat loss phases, having that one to two-week diet break to let everything reset. Mm-hmm. In the other side of things, once people's calories have been high for a period of time and they reach that point where it's diminishing returns, mm. taking the calories back down towards the baseline and just yep. letting them chill out with some lower volume training for a week or two yep and maybe not as much glycogen in the, in the nutrition plan let them just sort of re-establish a baseline and then bring the calories back up again it, it, have another little fresh burst of growth can occur yeah with that method
1: yeah i mean that's what i tend to do anyway and when you drop it to baseline although it's only minor you do get uh, an elevated metabolic rate to some degree when you are at that 20 30 percent and then Dropping back down to baseline is perceived as a, as a at, for a brief period anyway a negative energy balance because you were at uh, 2600 back down to 2000. Uh, although you know I'm not suggesting the metabolic rate is up around 2600, but it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But either way, it uh, uh, it seems to perceive a, a caloric deficit, and you can tighten up in that like that two weeks that you mentioned or or a week in my case so uh, that can work really well and uh, i think that's a really good off-season style of nutrition because a lot of people into comp it's it's although it's challenging and it's uh difficult to get the the desired body fat levels pre-stage but it's quite simple though you know it's generally making a negative energy balance and um you know coming uh, out of that negative energy balance for a period then back into that negative energy balance to achieve the desired fat loss but the uh, the reverse is quite challenging. They really don't know what to do in the off season. Do they throw calories up and keep it at 30% over for four months, or, or yeah. do you go back down? Are you going to lose muscle when you go back down? Yeah. Like what happens? Well, like until you don't lose muscle, and uh, you know it, it, it is a really cool way to actually. Uh, Uh, Keep body fat levels in check in the off season by bring it down for that one or or two weeks in your case, and and really let them tighten up and change the macros around, and then uh, then bring it back in, and you can coincide that with training phases as well with high volume, less volume, functional hypertrophy, like you said. So yeah, yeah, food for thought uh, there. Interesting.
0: Mm. Yes, thanks, Cam.
1: Oh, can really blow the eardrums out on that one. <laughs> Good one.
0: Holy moly! Uh, hello. Wow, that was loud. All right. Okay, Rawdon. Sometimes uh, you know a client comes in. Yep. Uh, they've got a meal plan and various things together, mm, and mm. you can load them up with a whole swathe of various supplements, as yes, we do. It doesn't really matter if, it, if they work or not if they mm. believe that it works, well, and you can explain to them the mechanism by which it should work. Yeah quite often what it can do is actually aid their nutritional compliance all over because they know, okay, well, I have have meal one and then I have my something here and the multivitamin there and the blah, 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 and on and on and on it goes. But for whatever reason, it works. Mm. We've Mm. got resident neuroscientist, Luke Tulloch, groundskeeper Willie, back in the studio, and he's going to talk to us today about the placebo. He's actually got his shirt off, like groundskeeper Willie, (laughs) and it's pretty impressive, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Luke, welcome to the studio, mate. Yeah, thanks very much. Good to
2: be back.
1: Yeah, placebo is a funny one because uh, that's what you're going to talk about today. And we've, yep. uh, back at uh, Lift Performance, where we're, we're both uh, uh, work out of, we, um, we've we had a conversation on the gym floor quite a few times. Mm. And, uh, you know, my uh, take I was on it on it was well, if it uh, actually works, is it a placebo? Mm, you're right. Or is it the supplement that actually does what it's supposed to do? That's right. You know, so it's that gray area. But you're going to uh, dive. I was going to say balls deep, but you're going to dive into this <laughs> one. And, uh, well, you just said it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah exactly. It's out there now. So you're really going to, uh, uh, be- but it's a it's a big part of uh, actual research and, and legitimate. Yeah. Uh, the concept is quite important. Yes, for our listener to actually comprehend. So um,
2: yeah, totally. And you know, like like you were saying, sometimes you don't know whether it is placebo or not that's causing yeah. the effect. Um, and you're never going to know. And like i said, does it yeah. does
1: really matter? You know, it's it's uh, if everything synergistically is getting the results, it's a uh, yeah
0: yeah.
2: yeah. Totally. All right. Um, I mean, I think most people probably know what a placebo is, but essentially it's uh, an effect that's produced um, a positive effect usually because we have a word for a negative effect, which is actually nocebo. Yeah. That's um, uh, It's an effect that's produced basically where there should be no physiological reason for that to be produced. So if the compound is not producing any actual physiological action, yep. but we're still getting some kind of change in performance then we refer to that as a placebo. Mm.
1: And just elaborate a little, it might be going to
2: anyway, but nocebo, you can
1: actually see the reverse as well where nothing should actually happen but they perceive something negative will happen yeah. and then something negative happens. Yeah,
2: totally, so that's, yeah, exactly right. And that's called a nocebo um, and the effect occurs, you know, it can go both ways and it depends. We have um, what we call inter-individual variability which basically just means, depending on the person, you're going to get a different sort of effect size for your placebo or nocebo. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, so some people are obviously going to uh, have a really big effect. The same, same with anything really, uh, yeah. any supplement. You get some people who are hyper responders and some people who just kind of under respond mm. or don't respond at all. So,
1: yeah, yeah. interesting. Just before you move on for that one, is there yeah. a certain um, psychological profile? Like some people are, are just quite wary. It's like no, nah, nothing's going to work, and then nothing does work. And others are just. You know, have a more positive disposition, and lo and behold, a lot of things work. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's
2: a lot of things that kind of feed into whether this effect rings true and how strong the effect is. Um, And personal beliefs are a big one. So, you know, you'll have a much harder time getting a placebo effect to manifest itself on someone who's like a natural skeptic. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of those. Yeah, (laughs) there are. And by the same token, there's a lot of people who are also like massive believers. You know, you get these guys who are like, yeah, man, like I, I snorted my uh, my pre-workout before, <laughs> you know, uh, my festival and I was just buzzing the whole time. Well, I did. Yeah. Back <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, what is it? Um, field no,
1: Day, eight. is that one? Field oh, Day. That's, that's field, one of them. Field is Dreams. There <laughs> Stereo. <go. laughs> there we go.
2: Obviously, this is a big issue when it comes to research because if we want to find out if something's working or not, whether it's a supplement or an exercise protocol or a nutrition or something like that, then we need to know whether it's just like – the fact that we're actually giving somebody a pill, yeah. or whether it's the actual compound in there that's causing the, f- the effect that we're seeing. Interesting. So when you design a study, you've got to have a placebo as part of the protocol. So yep. you can't just go right. There's a group who we gave nothing, and there's a group who we gave, uh, of course, you know, the 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 pill, and then they um, they saw an effect. You actually have to give both sides appeal. a pill yep. one has to be physiologically inert in other words a sugar pill doesn't really do anything yeah um, and then the other guy the other group's got to get the actual active compound to see if we have any effect now you often see that the group who who doesn't actually get anything that is has an active compound in it still sees a performance benefit yeah. mm.
0: it's just not as big as when you have an active physiological compound in a lot of cases yes yeah. i gather luke that People who are participating in the study, there'll be the placebo group and the normal group. They obviously Mm. don't know, but people in the group who are actually getting the active ingredient might think, well, there's a chance I could be getting the placebo pill here. Yeah, that's true. And they have the nocebo effect. That's
2: right. Um, That can happen as well. And you can even, uh, if you're doing proper science, we have what we call a double blind study. Proper science. That's (laughs) all (laughs) proper science that we do here on (laughs) the Bar. Lab coats are on. So, that means that the researchers who are giving the participants of the study the pill actually don't know if it's the real thing yeah. or not. That's right. Yes, Because they're, something subtle about their behavior
1: yep.
0: could tip them off yep. or it could yep. affect the result. Nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Have these pills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. these are the You're good gonna ones. You're going to get really jacked yeah. on these ones. It, yeah. run, cool. it runs deep. Interesting. Mm.
1: Yeah. Okay. And that's called a double blind yeah, double. So blind. no one knows what the hell anyone's yes. doing. Yeah, so well, someone does. No it's,
2: one. It's basically the guy who analyzes the data. He'll be the only guy who knows. Yes, fascinating. Um, so, so that, that would can be obviously tell you. Oh yeah, it was because of this one or that. So that's the gold standard.
1: Like if you really, really, yeah. really want
2: to double blind placebo-controlled is the gold standard. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. So obviously this has implications for dealing with clients. If you're a trainer out there listening, or if you are just a trainee or a fitness enthusiast. Um, looking at what supplements you might want to take or if you're recommended some sort of protocol or nutrition scheme or something by somebody. Low road. Yeah. Um, So your personal belief systems like we said before are really important in this. So you could have people who um, you know maybe idolize a certain footy player and he takes you know BCAAs so I I believe that BCAAs work Mm. uh, or something along those lines. (laughs) Um, You know so it's a big deal in marketing, you've got to be aware of this because they're trying to sort of subtly influence your beliefs um, so that their product is actually more effective. Yep. And your past experiences might uh, also influence you. So if you went through a really hard training uh, phase and you got some great results and you happen to be doing a certain thing, like let's say maybe it's low carb, yeah, you might have some preconceived beliefs that Last time I got into shape, I was doing low-carb. Yeah. Mm. It might not have actually been that that caused it, but it might actually have a better effect for you in the future because of that. Because of your belief yeah. yeah.
1: That's interesting because uh, James, everyone knows I, I coach James Kahn, IPB pro, but he'll have a, a cheat meal, although, uh, not a cheat meal, a refeed day. And although you and I know, mm. very little for metabolic rate. Probably yep. not going to lose a significant amount of fat post-refeed day, but it's going to recharge the glycogen stores, probably going to fill out a little bit. Yep. Looks like he's leaned up, but he will be adamant yeah definitely sharpened up after that one so i'm sort of like well, didn't really do anything about great in my opinion i don't think it did but he's obviously had the refeeds in the past yes always looks better the next morning so it's it's a progress for him and yeah uh, and i said like i conclude at the end it's like
2: i don't care either way if you're leaner now than what you were yesterday bang on with me yeah i mean that's it like you, you can come in and you know i I had this quite a lot in the past with people who are like very hardcore um, paleo or low carb or this and that. And often it doesn't serve a lot of purpose to sit there and try and convince that person against their beliefs. Yes. Rather, what you can do is kind of take advantage of that because eating paleo or lower carb or anything, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You can, no. you can really use that to your advantage if they're really like into eating sort of healthy food and a lot of vegetables and protein and stuff. Yeah, great. Um, and if you can utilize that belief and kind of build on it a little bit, then, I mean, we can look at the bigger picture stuff, like, um, you know, getting the right amount of macronutrients and calories in. Yeah. Like, whether you do that from fasting or low carb or uh, whatever it is like I don't really care as, as long as we get the result and if it's yeah. gonna make it easier for someone to get the result because they believe in something interesting then you may as well use it you know yeah. what I mean uh, instead of sitting there trying to disprove it and kind of uh, getting them on, on offside you know Co- comes into that
1: psychology of coaching a little you see something presented before you rather than and and that would also get them on the back foot it's like well this coach totally. yeah said something about paleo and you know it's like, so for they're already in a negative headspace
2: instead yeah, paleo's great, some good things there, we're gonna use that. That's, uh, that's really good, man. I yeah, like and I one. mean you can see the, the like the power of belief and the mental side oh, yeah. of sports or training or anything like that is so strong. Yeah. You have these guys, for example, like top level athletes, you'll often find there's just this massive amount of belief in a in themselves firstly, but um, just in the methods that they're using, in their oh. coach, in their support network yeah. or even in, in like routines, Routine, little rituals that yeah. they do before games, yeah. things yeah. like that. I mean, we've seen recently Conor McGregor coming up and saying, you know, it's all hard work. It's just because I work hard, um, which is not true. Like, you have to have a certain genetic makeup to be able to achieve that level. It's just not up for debate. Mm. Um, But his power of belief in himself has obviously afforded him some success. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's a big factor, and it doesn't just apply to top level athletes, it applies to everybody. Yes. And and, and again, I know I reference James Cunn all the time, but if I were to say who is the most.
1: Uh, positive, doesn't matter, off-season, on-season, five weeks out, one week out, night before. Who is the most positive mm. uh, client I work with? James can't 100%. Yeah, no, it's cool. always, boom, yeah, I'm going to be perfect on the day. Yep. Awesome. Ne- never a shadow of doubt. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, Luke, do we have any idea on what's actually happening on the physiological level between having a belief in something and then the result in the yeah. body? Like, Orphers, yeah. dopamin, the, the, like The big one, I, and you might have more detail on this than me, is that the knee operation surgery yeah. thing where they had... Group A went in and had an actual knee operation. Yep. Group B had the same complaint and all they did was they put them under, they made an incision in the knee but actually performed no physical procedure Yep. and magically they all were healed. Like yeah. What's, what's going I on? I mean, that's an awesome
2: example. I really like that story because it's pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, there's also stories of you know soldiers out in the field just getting a saline solution and thinking it was morphine and oh, no. all of a sudden not feeling Absolutely much amazing. pain from a blown-off limb or something like that. Mm. Um it's obviously some sort of interaction with the nervous system and, and sensory perception. Exact mechanisms—it's really a bit of a mystery, to be mm. honest. I think yeah. it's something that on know, the possibly on
0: the metaphysical level, maybe your witch doctor out at Edgecliff. Yeah. Yeah. she could answer it. <laughs> yes. yeah. I'll ask her next time I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: so you know, it's obviously something we can uh, perhaps uncover in the next sort of decade or two as research goes on. But um, it's probably some sort of interaction with the nervous system. You know, there's a lot about pain perception and how. Um, it seems to be in a lot of cases unrelated to physical uh, damage trauma so yeah a, a big example is like lower back pain chronic low back pain um, some people listening might know that I've had a bit of a back injury for the last like five years or so yeah. and I mean structurally I don't believe there's anything wrong with my back and we know there's a lot of people who walk around with like bulged discs and they don't even realize it mm. and uh, uh, there's other people who just experience pain for no apparent reason um, and you know there's some sort of interaction there with pain perception um, but mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to be necessarily related to structural damage so it's probably some kind of mix of all of that stuff that's happening with placebo as well mm-hmm. so uh, when we're talking about a placebo we can actually modify how large the effect is depending on the presentation of the stimulus, or the supplement, or the training plan, or okay, whatever it is. Yep, yep. So, in research, and a lot of this research comes out of, um, you know, pharmaceutical research, where they look for the right, or the most effective way of delivering a drug or, or something like, or a treatment. So, as an example, you'll get a different effect based on whether you give someone a pill versus a capsule versus an injection. Um, yes. And even whether they see you perform the injection, or whether they're actually looking away when you do the injection, will produce mm-hmm. a different effect. That's so amazing. the more drastic, in general, the more drastic the uh, the treatment, the greater placebo effect you'll encounter.
0: Mm. And we might have tapped into the, your success as a coach, Roden. I mean, you've you've taken the most. Drastic hardline approach mm, towards mm, getting people. Yes. In. It's almost mm. like they've got in shape before they've yeah. started <laughs> through, through doing fear. Things, th- yeah. through fear. I send them an email prior. So this, <laughs> yeah. this, this, is going <laughs> to happen. They're going to kill
1: themselves for six months before they come and see me.
0: The placebo <laughs> method. So yeah, you know,
1: I like so the it, doctor's surgery. You know, one of those massive syringes. You know, giving it a squirt into the air. Yeah, you know, you're really going <laughs> to little flick on the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A Little out slap on, on the vein. That's it. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, and uh, even, I mean, the quantity, color, and shape of the pills can all make a difference as well. So if you have a look, depressants as a class tend to be, uh, or tranquilizers or anything like that, tend to be cooler colors, so blues and purples. Um, Stimulants tend to be warmer colors like reds and yellows. Um, and that's all there for a reason. It actually produces a, a stronger effect. Um, yes. well, I, well, I can tell you this Cialis tablet is a, is a yellow.
3: <laughs>
1: so that's a stimulant <laughs> for me. But uh, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, offering my... Uh, yeah, no. no uh, it's 40 uh, years old, Tom. Yeah. Oh, look. <laughs> you know, and, you know,
0: there are tea t- t- the birds out there that you know, need to be What serviced. happens on the road stays on the road. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway. Uh, and uh, one big one is also the quantity of the... Of the pills, for example, so um, you're better off if you're a pharmaceutical or a supplement company giving the same dose in twice as many pills because you yeah. get a bigger effect. <laughs> That's so, crazy. yeah, yeah. again, it comes back if you think about some of the supplement protocols that are out there, where it's just a huge amount of shit that you're taking every day. Yeah, I mean, you got to expect some kind of result when you're yeah. sitting there choking down pills for like ten minutes at mm. a time. Yeah, mm. fascinating. Uh, it's all. Uh they're going for that effect, at
1: that, that, literally trying to tap into that placebo. Yeah, I certainly mean, with a lot of the uh, performance, not not necessarily PEDs, but I'm talking about the supplement industry for bodybuilding. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, just, totally. I remember some you know, crazy sort of stacks that, you know, that had mm. to be taken in a certain sequence and, yep. you know, because you were so diligently taking it all, you know, all of a sudden you,
2: you were mm. lifting more and getting stronger yeah. and putting yeah. on. Absolutely, I and mean, you complexity. know, a lot of those things probably do have a small effect, but mm. when you combine it with this placebo thing it has this synergistic yeah. thing Beautiful. where uh, all of a sudden you're getting a large effect. They did one study with packaging where they looked at uh, wines and they actually got a whole bunch of people into taste wine. And they labelled the prices on all of them, even though they were the same wine. <laughs> and uh, the ones that were labelled more expensive were generally thought of as much tastier than yes, the cheaper ones, crazy. for example. You know, so again, uh, you might have some supplement that's, you know, a hundred bucks a tub, costs like three dollars to make, and yeah. you probably get a bigger effect than if you charge twenty dollars a tub. Yeah. You know? mm. um, so it's pretty interesting stuff. But even uh, just where you
1: pause on that one, even yeah. uh, in the industry that we're in, you know, we charge. You know, X amount per session, they're like, yeah, a little blase, a little bit, yeah, yeah, I won't get any results. You pay $200 a session, and all of a sudden, uber yep. compliant, yeah, yeah, yeah. doing this, doing that, That's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. A great results. So you've got to meet that somewhere uh, in the middle. You can't undersell yourself, mm. but you can't, uh, I think, anyway. Exactly. That's why I always wear a lab coat around the gym
2: <laughs> <laughs> with your uh, rippling uh, chest and abs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, So another study water and carbs so we all know carbohydrate can improve uh, Endurance capacity, you know if you do a cycling time trial for example, so there was one study where uh, They had a group doing a 40k time trial on the bikes and one group was given water But told it was had carbohydrate in it uh, and the other group was actually given the carbohydrate um, And that non-carb group experienced an increase in performance compared to just water only Mm. and telling them this is just water Um, so it went basically in order the guys who knew it was water uh, with the lowest performance, the guys who thought it was carbs but it was actually water was next and then the guys actually got the carbs, got the most performance increase
0: so again you can kind of
2: get halfway there without even giving somebody anything.
0: So then when you're looking at a a study like that Mm. and they're testing a product and they have the placebo group and then the group is getting the active ingredients and they factor in all the results, how do they then sort of balance out the effectiveness of the product when a certain percentage of the of the effectiveness is based around the placebo anyway. Yeah, How do they factor that in? Uh, essentially, you have to
2: just do statistical analysis and see how big that effect was. So yep. you always compare against... Um, so you use the statistical analysis to check if uh, those results just happen by chance. Yep. Um, and that's how you can check it so uh, you'd want to see what they call a significant difference and that's statistical significance yep we might do uh, an episode down the track maybe on a bit of study design it's a little bit more complicated and dry but uh you know you're always going to see some effect from a placebo there but Mm. obviously when you when you do the test you'd want to see the active ingredient have a significantly greater effect you say yeah cool it's worth using yeah
1: You know, it's a, uh, probably looking back at what I did say 12 months ago to what I do now, probably using supplementation around training was something that I would methodically do. And I just wonder after discussing today this with, with you, Luke, mm. um, whether, you know, maybe 12 months ago when they were taking that pre-workout you know five grams of bitter alanine and five grams of creatine and the five grams of essentials and, and mixing that up and, and the ritual involved the ritual with that. yeah but, you know absolutely. then they're born there they in between sets sip in their drink where they got 40 grams of a tago. you know this is yeah you know, i'm gonna get massive off this because yeah, i'm taking this this and this and just wonder whether that whether i'm uh, missing out on some of that placebo with some of my clients i mean mm. It's a little uh, lackluster. You know, it's like, yeah, can I use some aminos? Nah, man. Yeah. Postprandial, you'll be fine. Amino yeah. acids are in the
2: blood. It's like, oh. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. quite deflating for them. But Yeah. Interesting. I know yeah. what you mean. Sometimes it's just easier to go with a hard recommendation on stuff. Like, yeah, like you know, I'm very like... Yeah, you know, it depends, and <laughs> it's kind of contextual. It doesn't matter that much. Better <laughs> off just, you know, yeah. sometimes it's better to just say, "Hey, man, you got to eat exactly one hour before your session. Done. Yeah. Boom. Mm. You yeah. know, it's got to be 40 grams of carbs. Done. Because yeah. um, yeah. at the end of the day, it's not going to cause any harm to the client. Yeah. But you have great potential benefit from that. Yes. Mm. Um, very good. You know, so I think even with your own training, if you're aware of the placebo effect, but you set yourself out these very uh, strict guidelines that are very clear. It's something that you can use, uh, like you say, as a routine, as a ritual that can actually have a positive effect on your training. 100%. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I guess
0: now that we've had this conversation, we're all aware of the placebo, and now mm. nothing will work for us ever again. Yeah. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we've just well, ruined it for all of our listeners. Well,
1: yeah. you know, we have the, the ritual here, the, the double-shot espresso, swelling yes. yep. that, the caffeine, the, stimulating. That's you know, right. The cognitive function increased. Uh, Tom, there's a lot of <laughs> placebo going on in this room. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Of, a lot of placebo going yes. on in
0: this room. Nice. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Very good. So, I mean, that's pretty much it for placebo and nocebo, but uh, it's a good way to sort of segue into some of our future topics which are going to be on some of the anabolic hormones like uh, growth Ooh. hormone, testosterone, that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. they have a certain uh, response to training. And so it's
0: important to be aware of uh, the placebo effect when we talk about yep. those. Excellent, okay. excellent. Thanks. Fascinating, Luke. Yeah. If indeed you are Luke and you <laughs> actually are here, yeah, or, he's a placebo. Or he's, he's bluffed us into his, <laughs> yeah. this segment altogether. I am the master of placebo. <laughs> 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 well, thanks, good, mate. Girl. We'll talk to you next week. All no right, see you, soon. man. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. It's the Under the Bar podcast with Rawdon and Tom. Yes. Rawdon, uh, as a personal trainer, you know, look, we sort of bluff ourselves around posture. Ooh, they're looking a little bit, a uh, bit of kyphosis going yeah, on there. Yeah,
1: yeah. No overhead pressing for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep, yep, no. yep.
0: And we sort of put posture in a bit of a box. As to what it is, and we think about how straight someone stands. You know how mm. they sit when they're typing away at the computer. Yeah, can they maintain thoracic extension for a bench press and all that kind yep. of stuff?
1: I think uh, I think we. It's pretty easy to see when the posture is
0: wrong, but not necessarily easy to fix. Exactly, mate. Yeah, That's we, the point. It's easy to point at. it out. Yeah, and to actually understand what posture is. And it was way back on episode number fifteen when we actually ah, yes. spoke to uh, Francine Savard. Ah. That was the first time I'd ever heard of this term, posturology. Yeah, she's a big fan. She was a massive fan, and and not just in terms of the biomechanics of posture, but how posture might affect the whole hormonal cascade of a human. Interesting.
1: So not just performance, it's uh, everything. Everything. A to Z.
0: Yeah, fast forward through to the end of last year, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was lucky enough to go to a course held by our next guest. It's Annette Verpilo. I hope i've got that right
1: No, nah, green pilot green pilot <laughs> yeah, sorry yeah. my
0: mistake um but she is the founder of posture pro and they are essentially the pioneers in this field mm-hmm. of uh, posturology big fan of uh, uh charles is a big fan yes, Polyquin, yes highly endorsed and in fact she was actually just over with preston green not, not long after we spoke with uh, him yeah yeah that's right he did a course there, a seminar, some yeah, sort of seminars yeah working with their players so they do courses all around the world the clinic is based in montreal and uh that's where annette is at the moment and she's joining us on the line. Annette, thank you for your time, and welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you, thank you so much for, uh, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So it's a bit of a difficult thing to kind of- uh, exp- Grasp. Grasp in a nutshell, Annette, but mm. maybe if we can just start with a bit of your career and, and what led you to this field of posturology, and then we'll go into what posturology is in more detail.
3: Absolutely, so I'm, um, I've am uh, i started Posture Pro roughly around 10 years ago and studied different types of manual therapies from osteopathy to muscle activation technique mm-hmm. and stumbled upon a posturology demonstration, if you wish, by, um, by somewhat of, a, of a, a bring of faith, if you want. And I saw um, a demonstration with an old lady that had a really, really hard time walking and within seconds, I was not quite sure of what I was understanding of what I was seeing, but I, within seconds, she was almost perfectly aligned. And it was right there wow. and then that I said to myself, oh my God, this is something that has to be uh, introduced to the public because it's, it's absolutely spe- spectacular and visual to see that mm. the postural changes that took place simply by activating her brain in essence.
0: Wow. Mm. Magic almost. I gather yeah. and that... There's a there's the neural side of posture, and it's really the feedback from your brain mm. as to how the you, eyes and yeah, and as to how you sense the world around you.
3: Yeah, we tend to have it the, um, if I may say the other way around, in, in, the, uh, in the health and fitness uh, conditioning uh, industry. Uh, working on muscles is great, but where posturology becomes, uh, you know, brings in a, l- a little bit of a tweak is that it's going to activate the brain that will then control the voluntary and the involuntary muscles.
0: Ah, I see. So before we get into details, how do you define posture?
3: So we have very specific criteria in posturology that allows us to know how symmetrical someone uh, is actually standing. So for example, if we were to look at someone in the sagittal plane from the side, we would quantify with specific numbers how far their head, their uh, neck, and their back should be in relation to a vertical plumb line. We're also going to look at the three planes of space. If there's any, uh, for example, if there's a lower shoulder, if there's a lower hip, if a shoulder is protracted, if a, 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 a glute is rotated. And at that point, we're going to, it makes it very easy for us to predict uh, biomechanical uh, failure or injuries and uh, tightness uh, of, the, um, of the ascending or descending muscular chains. Wow.
0: Wow. So Annette, do these imbalances occur because of something that someone is doing on a biomechanical level or is it a feedback mechanism from the brain and the central nervous system?
3: Yeah, it's more of a feedback mechanism in the uh, in the brain when uh, there's different types of pattern movements that we learn as uh, babies in order for us to be able to stand upright and start moving and walking. Now it's going to be about how well we develop these motor patterns that are going to dictate, if you wish, through repetitive movement, the type of posture that we then um, develop or evolve with and then it's going to be a question of wear and tear of the joints and and obviously trying to prevent injury as best as we can through postrology
1: tell me annette i would imagine that if you're far between looking at anyone in the gym and and you know and they're okay i would assume most people like i mean i over the years i'm i'm you know late 30s now uh <laughs> but um, but year, year, years and years uh, in the trenches, so to speak, training and lifting heavy and doing all that type of stuff. And you know, I've I've been through uh, you know various therapists over many 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 physios and uh, you know all sorts of therapists. And I'm working with an osteopath at the moment. But um, but every time I go in, it's like, yep yeah, you you know your hips are out again. You're you know this is out, that's out, and he you know soft tissue and, and gives me a bit of a crack, and I'm and I'm a lot better thereafter. But um, a little bit out of alignment is that a concern or is it um you know because i would imagine most people are it is
3: it is actually a huge concern i mean we're talking about um mitochondrial fatigue if you're uh, not able to fight gravity optimally by standing upright before you move and then you uh, load yourself up with weights to be in shape which don't get me wrong i'm a big fan of being in shape um, and you want to work out your body you you are getting fitter no doubt you are building and sculpting your body as well but you're doing it with a posture that is that is asymmetrical so eventually wear and tear whether it be at the ankle the knee the hip the lower back the shoulder the neck those are all the popular areas um, of pain yeah. and that, that being said um, how many people are asymmetrical I mean we have statistics worldwide and we're talking about 90% of the world's population will have an asymmetry in the three yeah. planes of space so um, at some point in time we know through postrology that if there is an asymmetry at some point somewhere they're going to feel pain now whether it be permanent or intermittent, yep. intermittent that tells, tells us um, uh, that gives us a, a different type of information
1: Okay. So it sounds like most, uh, all our listeners would uh, need a tune-up, pretty much.
3: Uh, Yeah, I think it's something that should, um, I think that everything should start in essence with posturology and Mm. and any add-ons that you will add afterwards will just make the treatments last that much longer. Uh, Now, as you've said yourself, I I used to do um, treatments in osteopathy and and muscle activation technique before I started doing this full-time and um, one of the concerns that I had and what, co- what, what made me want to look somewhere else is, is, is inevitably I realized that I was always treating the same client yeah. for, for almost the same thing same every thing, time, yeah. sometimes it would last a little longer, sometimes it was a week sometimes it was a month but inevitably, inevitably they always came back for the same problem
1: Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think um, like obviously Tom and I work with yeah, tons of different clients and time and time again something will come up but yeah they go and they go back and they go back again and it's flat up again okay you might need to get some, some therapy again so it does seem to be uh, like a like an accept the norm you know that you, you have a, an issue and it's like yep yeah. Yeah, I just got to keep getting it treated so yeah. are you suggesting Annette that um, with different treatments that you can actually uh, some of these issues can you can move forward from and uh, actually have a uh, pain-free you know, pain yeah, free training yeah pain free training more so than what you Yeah,
3: have. well, pain-free living, and what I'm suggesting is that we've been told that it's okay and normal to live with pain, so we're yeah. mm. kind of okay with the concept of managing yeah. our pain, and, yeah. and that's okay, but when you start to think, to think about it and really break it down, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, most therapies do focus on the muscular system and the joints, but yeah. the muscles and the joints are under the control of the brain. so then wouldn't it make more sense to go and target the brain the brain stem in order to activate those muscles that are either too tight or too weak
0: yeah yeah that's fascinating and that you mentioned mitochondrial fatigue before can you just explain what that is
3: so mitochondrial fatigue is, is uh, I mean, we've recently, and I'm happy you're bringing, the, uh, bringing this up, I've recently stum- stumbled on, on several studies that are speaking, uh, or different authors uh, are claiming that uh, the source of most diseases could be caused up to a certain extent um, by mitochondrial fatigue. Now, what we have at PosturePro um, is a, a force plate platform that allows us to see how much energy expenditure someone is going through just by standing, um, by standing upright. Yeah. Um, and what we notice is that most people. So we have very specific uh, numbers that allow us to know if someone is is wasting more energy than someone else in a negative way. So, mitochondrial fatigue is going to lead to an excess of cortisol, is going to affect your sleep, is going to affect hormone production, and could eventually, according to these new uh, studies, um, uh, could eventually create uh, different uh, varieties of different um, diseases as well.
0: Wow. So, when someone's you mentioned gravity and the impact that that has on the body, and the nervous system is basically trying to find the most efficient way to move people against gravity. So is that why if something breaks down in the brain signaling or the nervous system that, you know, the shoulders will slump or the hip will twist? Is, is that how things develop?
3: Yeah, the body's going to twist uh, in, in different shapes and forms in order to be able to stand upright and fight, gravi- and fight gravity. So what makes us human is the fact that we speak that we write and that we are able to walk with both of our feet. But before we're actually able to stand up and walk, we need 12 months. To learn those different patterns that are going to bring us to standing, to be able to stand upright and fight gravity. Once this is accomplished, uh, when we're standing without movement, we're actually really oscillating on a, on a, on a cone, if you wish, with, with two degrees on the left and two degrees on the right. Now, depending on how much oscillations are actually going on could be quantified up to a certain extent as mi- mitochondrial fatigue. So, you're constantly being in a sympathetic state. You're not able to find balance between the two. And over time, your body starts breaking down.
1: If you're out of balance and if you're asymmetrical, you're talking about you've got that uh, fatigue and that catches up over time, correct?
3: Well, yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, different people will, will react differently to the same cir- yeah. circumstances. Uh, what will make the difference are, are, are different variables, of course. But we could speak about mi- mitochondrial fatigue as we can speak about injury uh, and, uh, and learning disabilities as well in the same context of postrology. So pretty much once the hormones are affected, once the sympathetic system or the autonomic system is affected and there's no longer balance, uh, a, a myriad of, of, of different types of symt- um, symptoms yeah. could then arise from the same problem, from the same source,
1: and it, which, is, know,
3: which is often postural.
1: Yeah, and you mention, uh, like in today's day and age, we're hearing time and time again that we're forever existing in this uh, sympathetic world, and, and very rarely do we uh, uh, are we able to get into that parasympathetic state. And um, you know, just with the stresses of life, and you know, more than our forefathers and all that type of stuff. And it sounds, uh, on top of all that, we've then got issues with uh, mitochondrial fatigue and and, and even just our posture playing a significant role in in keeping us in that uh, sympathetic state. So Mm. sounds quite dire.
3: Yes. Y- Astrology know. becomes interesting. really it's, it's, t- it's a technique that uh, targets the brain in order to activate the muscles. And it does so by using different types of information that your body is going to feed the brain. So the first type of information is when you get out of bed, the first thing that you step on is the ground with your feet. Mm-hmm. And then if we look at the pressure that you have on your left foot versus the right foot, if there's an asymmetry there, then your brain kind of picks up on that and then you'll have a muscular adjustment in order for you to be able to walk contralaterally with your head upright facing the horizon with both of your eyes. So anything that is off in between those two extremities, feet and eyes, will inevitably create um, an asymmetrical contraction of all of of the joints that are pretty much located in between those two body parts.
0: Well, everything's located in between those two body parts from your exactly. jaw down to your toes.
3: <laughs> from your head down to your toes, and, and, that, and that's exactly the problem. And, and very often we'll see that there on a potoscope, for example, that there's an asymmetry of pressure on the, on the fourth foot and the rear foot, left foot versus the right foot, and there's an asymmetry of eye tracking, it's, then it's not uncommon for us to find a tilt of the shoulders and a rotation of the hips
0: fascinating fascinating it's it, i mean the human body is so amazing and it, why on earth would it allow itself to become so asymmetrical how does it all happen is it external well, influences of, of the environment or is it just what we do
3: I don't think that it's, ex- I mean, external influences, again, some authors will say that <laughs> electromagnetic field now could be affecting it. It's going to depend on who you speak to, of course. Uh, but, but sticking with, with posturology, um, I think that the central nervous system just takes in the information that it receives from, from what we call sensory receptors, which are going to be the skin of the foot primarily, the muscle of the eyes. And then we're also gonna look at an additional com- component which is the position of your jaw in relationship to your head which will affect your shoulder because the head is attached to the shoulders via the upper trapezius. And we also look into scars as well. So all of these components uh, are external components that send information to the brain and then the brain just project its motor command on the muscles.
1: It
0: sounds way, and it explains, it, it sounds quite simple, but uh, yes. at the same time, it's quite complex. Very complex. In terms of the, the hormones and everything that runs off that, Annette, you've mentioned cortisol. What are some of the other hormones that might be affected by asymmetry?
3: Well, I'm going to say a big one. Uh, dopamine, serotonin, noradrenaline, um, mm. anything that's really um, being uh, projected or created by the pituitary gland or the hypothalamus will or could potentially have an impact. Um, we have direct connections in the brain to the vagus nerve that innervates all of the autonomic system, all of the internal organs. So it, it goes, it goes pretty far. There are, there are different links that we've made through posturology that could potentially alleviate different types of symptoms that might be at the root cause of a postural disequilibrium
0: can you explain the the vagus nerve in a little bit more detail and that i've heard of that mentioned before but i don't really understand what it is or where it is
3: or what it does simple. yeah I, did i did i use the <laughs> did i use the, the the they were saying to me i try to try to keep it simple well we have different types of cranial nerves that are located in our brain stem um the brainstem is the is the is the bridge if you wish that connects the spinal cord to uh the brain and within this brain stem we have 10 out of 12 of the cranial nerves including the vagus nerve now the vagus nerve is is the 10th uh, cranial nerve that basically uh, uh, innervates the entire uh, parasympathetic chain uh, to from your from your heartbeat to your digestive tract right. it's also in relation meaning it communicates through different neurological highways with other cranial nerves for example your eye muscles mm-hmm. your tmj your inner ear now if there's an asymmetry with one of these cranial nerves, so for example, let's talk about the eye muscles, then there will be um, an an asymmetry or or, or a message that is not as clear going to the vagus nerve as well. So in that context, you could then potentially have a digestive issue that is actually related to your eye tracking problem.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: You know, it's funny, uh, what Thomas said, well, you're on the program today and um, it's the type of thing, you know, where you, you just don't, you got so many things, like I, I was when you were talking about getting out of bed, I was thinking, when I get out of bed, it really hurts on one foot and the other foot's really light and then eventually it evens up and I sort of walk around after the gym with my head cocked to one side and, you know, I've got various uh, bloating through the digestive system and, uh, you know, pretty much everything you described, It's you know, I almost didn't want to hear all these things because now I know uh, there could potentially be uh, the postural related issues, and now I've got to look into actually uh, uh, improving it all. But uh, everything you've said, I, I'm sort of ticking boxes on this side. I don't know about Tom, but... Mm. Well, but, I mean,
0: uh, maybe that leads us to the next point, Roden. I mean, how do, do we... I do? How do we use this system then, once we've, you've outlined everything that you have, Annette, how does posturology then go about addressing these issues?
3: Well, that's that's where our workshops become uh, interesting. We offer uh, the concept and the idea behind uh, creating a Posture Pro and the uh, Posture Pro International Performance Program was to be able to teach this to other healthcare practitioners, so that we can really reach out to as many people and help as many people as possible. Um, by doing so, we've uh, recently been in Australia. We have a couple of great guys that are already located in Australia that are presently practicing through the techniques that we've taught them and we're, we're hoping to be able to host another program over there in, um, in uh, 2016 as well. And as I'm speaking to you, I'm trying to pull up the dates very quickly. <laughs> but we will be coming back to Australia for, um, for another workshop to be able to promote um, the, uh, the, the training and, and certainly learning posturology to be able to apply it with your own clients or with your patients.
1: What sort of uh, I mean, do the attendees have to have some sort of uh, significant understanding of anatomy and uh, like what sort of demographic uh, come to your uh, do the posture pro courses?
3: Well, right now we are having um, a stream of um, coaches that are coming in to, to learn the technique. One of the things that we were uh, able to demonstrate with uh, with Charles Poliquin and, and with Preston is the immediate strength increase that the athletes will feel throughout yep. um, throughout being recalibrated, meaning if the shoulder is realigned, it's not uncommon to see an athlete gain anywhere between 8-15% to 15% of strength gain within three minutes and this is of course recorded by uh, Charles with uh, with a dynamometer test. Yep. So uh, that being said a, a lot of trainers are coming our way but we don't really have any prerequisites okay. uh, we kind of like a, a clean slate in the sense that we do teach from beginning to end um, the contents that need to be learned and we do bring about four disciplines into one and we will look into uh, podiatry optometry, dentistry and then um, a, a neurology as well in order to teach the full program so that the practitioner has a full understanding of how to deal with his uh, clients in order to get the, the, the best possible results uh, within a consultation, really.
1: Mm. Fascinating. What sort of, uh, and while we're given a, a talking about specifics there, like I go to a coach, one of the guys you mentioned, uh, what sort of happens at, uh, with the assessment? Uh, talk me through what the guys would actually do. And is it ongoing? Then do I have to keep going back or generally uh, things improve from that first uh, initial consultation?
3: So, so, in the first consultation, we can expect to gain, um, if we're talking about chronic pain, we can expect to diminish pain anywhere between 60 to, sixty to 85% within the first consultation. And what the first consultation entails is assessing posture and instability, posture in the three planes of space as well as the client's instability, yep. and then working with different tools in order to be able to address the asymmetry of the feet, I'm talking left foot and right foot, and to be able to optimize optimize a convergence which is basically creating symmetry between the left eye and the right eye which inevitably creates left and right brain symmetry and then affects your anterior and posterior muscular chains
0: so If you sort out left and right brain symmetry without doing anything structural to a person, basically the nervous system will be more efficient and it will get to fire all the little muscles and the imbalances and everything will start working in more of a perfect order. Is that what happens?
3: Yeah, we're we're really targeting the intrinsic intrinsic muscles of the spinal cord, the tonic muscles, the really tight and short ones that are really, really close to the joints. Those are the tonic muscles. The tonic Mm. muscles we cannot control voluntarily. When we're in the gym training, we're really working with our big phasic big guys, with the big movers that are able to to pick up those weights and help us perform better. But in order for us to move, there needs to be joint stability. And the stability is under the dependence of the tonic muscles. So that being said, uh, left bra- left brain, right brain symmetry, eye tracking, proper feet on the ground, um, you get proper firing of those tonic mus- muscles, which affect, which inevitably affect the phasic muscles, and you're just that much better.
0: Mm. Awesome. See, this is the funny thing, you know, like two or three years ago, if you'd said to me, you can get a. 15% strength improvement in three minutes. Yeah, I'm you, just
1: going to get this pen uh, and go wiggle, 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 wiggle on the back yeah. of the earlobe and then
0: uh, pimps, boom, you're good to go. It sounds like witch doctory. Mm. But the fact is, and this is more clear to me now, Well, we were talking to Paul Carter about this the other day, Rod, and we said, yeah. how do you develop strength? And we were expecting some sort of, you yeah. know, programming scheme or, uh-huh. or, or overload Rep system. Scheme. But basically he said you've sorted out the biomechanics of the individual take away the sticking points and then the movements can be as strong as they can be and if you think about Rod and you and I were talking about this the movements that you and I are strong at it's the ones that that don't hurt as much and that we can do with less thought and we're Mm. biomechanically Mm. more suited to so if someone's you can do it by, by sorting out these postural imbalances and having everything pain free. Yeah. Of course, strength is going yeah. to improve, you know?
1: And the world is your oyster in the gym. You can really, uh, it'll open up a new dimension of training by the sounds of it.
0: 100%. So, Annette, how do you then go about fixing eye alignment or the, the sensory system from the feet up to the brain? How do you actually do that?
3: So we have uh, special tools that we use in order to, I like to use the term recalibrate, because we are truly changing motor patterns, um, and it will take a period of roughly over a year to do so. Now within a year, we'll see a client around, uh, it could be anywhere between six to eight times within that year frame. Mm -hmm. But to actually change faulty motor patterns, I mean, think about it. When we're walking every day, if we're walking with a poor posture, Mm -hmm. we are repeating the same motor pattern, which is in this case is, is is our movement pattern. We're repeating the same movement pattern over and over again with a lower shoulder and a rotated hip. So in order to undo what's been taught to the brain, we need a period of 365 days. So for it to go into long term to become a habit, the first 90 days becomes a habit. And then after 365 days, we are actually able to change, um, how should I say, motor patterns. Okay.
1: Okay. So you go through this recalibration over a series of visits, and then...
3: Oh. So, yeah, so the recalibration uh, is we do work with uh, with different types of, uh, we call them proprioceptive uh, insoles, which are very, very thin insoles that will stimulate different areas of the feet in order to be able to uh, send a proper message to the brain in regards to the left foot and the right foot. Now, the thing with the foot and the problem with the feet is that if there is an asymmetry of eye tracking, which nine times out of ten there is, it could be anywhere. It could be caused by a lack of, for example, lack of vitamin B, a jet lag, a little bit of alcohol. Um, if someone's smoking marijuana once in a while, if there's uh, carbon monoxide intoxication, which is now, as we know, is is found in our food, maybe not in Australia, but certainly in North America, then all of these substances could then potentially affect the, uh, the convergence of the eyes. The minute that there's a discrepancy of the eyes, this goes all the way down to the feet. And the foot is kind of like the alignments, the the wheels of the car and the eyes is kind of the the alignment of the car and the the, the car is the body. So at that point, the foot goes into an adaptative, compensatory uh, foot posture, if you wish. Now to undo it, we do work with proprioceptive insoles that are needed for roughly a period of the year in conjunction with eye exercises that are to be performed roughly uh, for a period of a minute and a half per day.
0: It's pretty easy. So, so people will have to, for the, the year of the, the 365 days, they will have to wear the insoles and be diligent with their eye exercise and various other things.
3: Correct, correct. It's, it's actually the, the, most, the, the cheapest treatment and, and the easiest treatment to do out there in comparison to uh, most of the, the work that is requested for us with different types of, of, of therapy. And just, uh, just yesterday I had someone tell me that, uh, that they had, um, uh, had undergone physiotherapy, and again I have nothing against physiotherapy, but for a whole year, five days a week. And they were actually on sick leave for the problem for for the injury that they had uh, which was lower back pain Mm. for the injury that they had so you know some people are willing to put a lot of work into it to try to again manage their pain Uh, once we adjust the feet and the eyes as I've said before the results are are pretty much within the session
1: yeah fascinating tell me Annette uh, flexibility does the um, the treatment improve obviously we've got the becoming from asymmetrical to symmetrical over time the eyes and the feet what about uh flexibility does flexibility improve uh
3: we've seen uh, we've seen clinically flexibility like for example bending over forward in a a yoga pose uh we we we, uh we've seen people tell us uh, that they are able to flex their torso much better once we have realigned their pelvis so so the idea behind it is if your pelvis is rotated the side that is lower is going to be the side that is that is going to be weaker in that sense so sure. inevitably there will be either one side that will jam up in order to try an attempt to try to level your pelvis as mm. you're moving around in space and the same goes for the uh, for the shoulders so um, to answer your question yes absolutely we can definitely increase um, uh, range, range, of motion, range of motion, flexion, yeah. uh, or stability um, in, in, in all aspects of the, uh, of the uh, in all aspects of the problem, really.
1: Yeah, I'm going to jump in and uh, cut Tommy off again and ask another question. As yes, I do, what about um, one of the big uh, issues with uh, hypertrophy for some individuals is actually the my muscle connection and recruiting that muscle. With <laughs> Tom's just eh, pulling faces because he, he likes the question, but um, if if an individual uh, uh, had a lagging body, because I work with a lot of uh, physique athletes, and so for me, it's all about aesthetics. Um, I need to bring up certain parts of the body. Um, there might be a, a poor communication between the brain and, the, and, and that muscle group, poor mind muscle connection. They don't they never really feel that they contract that muscle very well. Would the, the posturology and the, the Posture Pro treatments uh, improve? Uh, that side of things as well.
3: So you're talking, are, are we? We're talking about the, the the original resting length tension of the of the muscle. Is that is that what you're referring to? Well, let's, uh,
0: let, let's say someone has uh, a small bicep and for whatever reason, they do bicep curls and they feel their forearm and they feel their wrist, but they never really feel their bicep contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. Poor, Absolutely, poor, absolutely. So, connection. so, of course, uh, if, if you're not able to get that mind-body or mind-muscle connection, um, for, for some people, and again, keep in mind that some people, will, not everyone will tell you this and some people are just more in tune with their bodies uh, yeah. than others, but it's possible that someone will overdevelop as well, more so on one side than the other. So, here's what we We know know that when a shoulder is lower and although someone is, for example, right-handed, if the right shoulder is actually lower, you have less blood circulation that's actually going on your side. So we know from from neurology, from a neurological perspective, that you should be more vasculated on the side that you are dominant. There are different types. Left side of the body, right side of the body will do different things based on your laterality. So, if you're not having proper blood flow going on that side, that is actually lower, the pathological side. Could you then have a harder time building that muscle mass on that side? Of course, there there would be there would be an absolute link there. Now, would this be the same problem with everyone? I wouldn't. I would not be able to tell you that. Mm, yeah. it, it would literally depend on 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 each and every one, um, each and every subject that we're um, working with and assessing.
1: Yeah, just another fit, uh, plus. As far as I'm concerned, you may improve uh, yeah. my muscle connection as well as everything else.
0: Because the thing is, you know, you can deal with people that are in chronic pain, but then there's the the link to actually improving performance. So let's mm. say we've got someone and they, they aren't relatively pain-free and they're an athlete. Like the, the basketball players, you would have been working with Annette over uh, at Preston Green's camp at the, yep. at the Florida Gators. Um, yes. Are you able to, you know, improve uh, athletic performance for a, already a quite a well-balanced individual?
3: well balanced well here's the thing Uh, athletes uh the funny thing with with uh, imbalances is that athletes are the ones that will feel their imbalances or the pain before someone who is more so sedentary for example because they're actually using their body Mm. more than someone who has kind of like a desk job that pretty much doesn't use their body all day long Mm. so it's not uncommon to find that actually every athlete every athlete has a partial disequilibrium and is suffering through the process of it and I all of the athletes that were actually assessed uh, yesterday were assessed, had an eye-tracking discrepancy, had an asymmetry with their posture, and um, trying to realign their posture. We did get great results. I, I actually posted a video of a chin-up that we were able to improve. Yeah. It was a dropped uh, left shoulder that, w- that, w- that was very hard to bring back in this specific athlete in order to be able to have him do uh, a more symmetrical um, how should I say, a more symmetrical chin-up, yeah. so we had, I mean I had a blast there with Preston, he's a, a great guy, and we had really interesting results with, uh, definitely with the players.
1: Yeah. I think I saw that, uh, mm. saw that video, impressive.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: I, I think personally, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I interrupt. think that personally every athlete from the get-go should be addressed uh, through postrology to, uh, to begin with. It, yeah. it should be a standard must, because the results uh, the results will be that much f- faster and that much that much better. Now, by saying this, I'm, I'm I've seen I was I was speaking to um, uh, yesterday. I went to work on kickboxing uh, uh, professionals. And um, professionals, I mean, starting off athletes that are, that are taking you know, many, many hits in the head. Mm. And I spoke to, to a world champion or 27-time world champion in kickboxing. And inevitably, I mean, he won 27 times. He's a world champion, mm. has a partial disequilibrium. Uh, but then it's going to be about how much suffering he had to put through. Mm. Um, in order to be able to get to so now the question is how much better could we actually have made him and, and already with the asymmetries that he had he was as good as he could be mm-hmm. so posturology is really about taking you over the edge <laughs> because some people as you can see will, will even make it to the Olympic level with their postural misalignment
0: yes
1: yeah I mean that's uh, that, that age-old question yeah great they did it with uh you know, <clears throat> the athletes did it without looking at blood chemistry, whatever, whatever, whatever. But what if you did look at blood chemistry? Sure. What if you got the, the zinc levels right, the vitamin D levels right, the magnesium levels right, the, their posture right? You know, what could these athletes actually do? I mean, yeah. that's the...
0: Regardless. I mean, so how never... long is the piece of string? You know, <laughs> yes. you, you don't know where it starts, where it ends. <laughs> exactly. Know? Conundrum. And so, Annette, if someone... I mean, the people that listen to this podcast are, generally speaking, the athletic population... If they do want to improve their performance, or they have clients that have chronic pain that need yeah. fixing, how do they go about, you know, tapping into these systems?
3: So, uh, first things first is, is I would ask that they uh, either email Posture Pro to find out the list of practitioner that we have uh, yep. presently practicing in Australia. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, we do have Ninth uh, uh, Ninth Ninth Wave Fitness and uh, andrew day that is located in uh, australia practicing presently posturology, and a couple of other great guys that i i can't think of the names now so please okay. they must forgive me yep. but uh if you email posture at education at we will gladly refer you to the, uh, the to the closest practitioner near you Um, If you're interested, if anyone's interested in learning this, we're going to be back in Australia on April 15th, which is uh, relatively soon, from the 15th to the 18th, and we're going to be teaching this uh, to um, hopefully uh, different types of strength coaches so they can bring it back and and use it in their practice. Mm.
0: And there's plenty of uh, international listeners as well, Annette, so you've got practitioners in the States and in the UK and in Europe as well, or you...? Still yes. Yes. Yep.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So again, education at posturepro.net. If you want to send us a message, so we can connect you with the one near you, we're we're pretty much international. Uh, we do have a couple in the states. We have some in Canada, obviously, uh, in the UK, in Singapore, soon in Dubai, and uh, and in Australia.
1: Is that Magdalena doing that one for Dubai?
3: Yes, yes, Magdalena, we are definitely yeah, uh, she, definitely communicating on that one, and yeah, another another great person that is bringing awareness of palm Yeah,
1: she she spoke to me about that, and um, yeah, she said she was mentioned she was going to do it, so that's exciting. She already does some uh, soft, uh, quite a bit of fascia work with her client. Quite talented with the hands, uh, from what I gather, Magdalena in uh, Dubai. So that'd be awesome.
3: Yeah, I think I think it'll be a great addition to what she already does.
1: Yeah, definitely. What's uh, what's coming up? Uh, so you're coming to Australia. What's uh, world domination? What's coming up for you, Annette, and the the Posturology, uh Posture Pro team? What's uh, what's in the in the future in for the future, you guys? Yeah. Well, uh,
3: in Australia or <laughs> globally. Uh, the uh, that's uh, we'll we're the really wealth, looking yeah. we're really looking to bring to bring awareness in essence. I mean, when we think about the fact that we're um, living in 2016 and being able to uh, communicate the way that we do now through uh, through different uh, uh, types of, of um, communication, uh, whether it be through Skype or communicating across the earth uh, through Twitter or Facebook within seconds, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me that someone would come and see you today and say, "I've been suffering of lower back pain for the last." for the last 10 years mm-hmm. so my, my, my great plan my, my greatest plan is to be able to uh, educate this and help as many people as possible it, it just does not make sense that people are going on with their lives suffering I wish I could say that I treat only and work only with uh, professional athletes the reality of it is is that most people are not high elite athletes and Mm. they are weekend warriors uh anywhere between 20 to 55 years old and my oldest client is 104 years old so uh, that being said it's really anyone and everyone could truly benefit 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 from this and through other practitioners i'm able to impact that many people to be able to um to help them to, to help them you know deal with their chronic pain
0: and is there anything uh, on the frontier in terms of the actual science itself? And are you researching in the next way to improve the um, the system?
3: Yes, I mean this will take probably a little longer, but we are making key contacts with uh, doctors, neurologists. We're now um, backing pretty much everything. All of the all of the programs that we're teaching are backed up by neuroscience and by mm. published studies. So we okay. can we can systematically demonstrate that what we are that we were saying what we are saying and what we're demonstrating holds true, true. to, to yeah. neurology. Uh, furthermore, we're um, uh, recently okay. developing or, or working with uh, published studies that we're going to be. Um, that we're going to be publishing eventually with a doctor here in uh, uh with a phd here in montreal to be able to, co- to quantify and demonstrate the results that we're getting as far as uh, mitochondrial fatigue and, and stability, and uh and of course uh, strength gains as, as well mm. so um, many many projects that are, are on their way and um it's definitely something that we look uh, forward to
0: yeah well that's really exciting and i mean that's part of the battle you have something like this. It's in the the infancy in terms of its exposure yeah. internationally, and people are so ingrained in the old Cairo right. soft tissue work that Mate, it, the food
1: pyramid. Just think about that. That's right. That they know, need a grains. little bit of
0: uh, a bit of science behind things to really buy into the concept. Um, and I guess the more you get out there, the better for you. So that's uh, that's really exciting, Annette. So thank you so much for your time, and for our listeners, if they do want to get in contact with you, education at posturepro.net
3: yes and if i may just slip in there the website mm. is posture pro www.posturepro.net and if you want to check us out on facebook that is facebook.com forward slash posture pro uh, please uh, give us a like or give us yeah. your feedback or communicate okay. with us through this platform as well and we'd be more than happy to respond uh, very quickly lovely. and uh, thank you so much guys very for lovely. having me on uh, tommy it was uh, it was actually a pleasure meeting you and uh, um, I, I know that we did a little bit of work uh, on you over there, and I hope that you're. Uh, mate, <laughs> I hope that uh,
0: it helped, uh, and, and uh, that we were. We well, were she's able very to. hands-on in it. She doesn't well, mind getting into the glutes yeah, and just yeah, making yeah, sure everything's re- in place. Really giving so. you a once-over, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering why you're walking so uh, symmetrical uh, over the last couple of months. Very good, very good. <laughs> I might have to come back out and see you in April, Inet. Uh,
3: well, I, I, I hope that we can uh, at least touch base and say hi to each other. It was. Uh, yeah. I, I truly loved it. I love Australia, and I just. Um, uh, I wish I wish it wasn't so far away, but it's a great country, and I'd love to be back.
0: Lovely to talk to you, Annette. Thanks, Annette. Talk to you Thank soon. Thank you so much. Thank Have a great bye. day. See you. Bye. Such
1: a pleasant way to start the show and end the show. Isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah really nice. Therapeutic. Uh, Annette from Posture Pro, how nice Mate, she is she? sounds
1: like she's pretty, a bit of alright too. Was she a bit of alright <laughs> when you saw her?
0: <laughs> yeah, she is. That's why I'm going to go out there and uh, next time she's in Australia, <clears> later <throat> in the year, and, well. go and go and see her. Maybe just get her to. She was very thorough when she's assessing the glutes. Mm, mm. It really cluteal, gets in there. Yeah. The clotil region, <laughs> I like
1: to call it. I get right in there with the calipers. Mm, mm, mm,
0: but in all seriousness, mm. what a fascinating discipline. Yeah, and, um, a, God, it sounds like
1: uh, the witch doctory, it sounds like, but uh, but it's not, and it works uh, amazingly well. Not the,
0: not the cheapest. Uh, no, look, it's an, done, it's, like an it's an investment. investment. Yeah. And she made the point, you know, it, it's taking you. Uh, Ten years, or however long it is, to <laughs> instill these negative postural habits. Yep. So it's going to take a bit of a commitment and an investment to get yourself out of it. I think but she said over over the course over of the course, course of a year. year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, over yeah. the course of the year, you walk around with the um, special insoles. You can do the eye exercises and yep. Yep. eye dotting yep. and the T crossing. But um, yes, the, when you hear someone explain it like that, the um, the physiology of the body and the brain it and the nervous sense. system, it does certainly make sense. Yeah. So that's uh, Annette from Posture Pro. For those listeners who would like to uh, express their interest. their interest in Tippy Toes and Paul Carter, I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be great. Well, Carter's going to be looking pretty mint, I reckon, uh, if he keeps
1: doing the shred. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if Tippy Toes and he will uh, shirts off at 50 paces and have a bit of a pose down, maybe.
0: Well, you never know. Someone might get pinned up against the wall. Well, That's yeah, it. and then and,
1: and start crying. And
0: start crying. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, beg forgiveness. Yeah. But you, know. can,
0: you can go to podcast at iconph.com.au. Yeah, just let We're us just, know. Let us know what your thoughts are on that. We can get back to you. And um, Yeah, so late July, I
1: think, uh, Melbourne and Sydney tour.
0: That sounds really good. If you're so inclined, you could write a nice review on uh, iTunes for us. That would uh, be great. Go into the draw to win a date with Rawdon. <laughs> or just do it to help the podcast out. But uh, thank you for listening. That's more <laughs> than Thanks, enough. Guys. Have a lovely day, and we'll talk to you next time.